Today's episode is with the lovely and grounded Emily Geyser. Emily is a wellness coach and podcast host where she focuses on all things health, wellness, and happiness. I connected with Emily through one of my podcast groups and was immediately intrigued by some of her wellness practices, including, get this, cold plunges. Those of you that know me well know I hate cold water. (laughs) And sugar detoxes. As you'll hear in this episode, I took her up on her offer to do a five-day sugar detox, and it was life-changing. So much so that I had to have her on the show so she could share her incredible insight with all of you. Whether you're into health and wellness or just could use some tips for building a happier and healthier life, this episode is for you. Happy listening. Every person I've ever met cares deeply about something, whether it be women's rights, financial independence, the freedom to believe in a God or the universe, even their child's education. And oftentimes when advocating for these causes, people find themselves depleted, full stop. Is it possible for us to create the world of our ideals from a place of lack? Well, what if we flip the script? What if we can shift our focus from what we don't want to what we do want? What if we can create the world we want from a place of joy, love, and abundance instead? Finding the nuance in this shift is a lifetime practice, And that is what this podcast is here to discuss and investigate. My name is Lola Sofia Bovell, and I am the host of the Latina Advocate Podcast. If you love our content on everything from advocacy to building generational wealth, make sure to not only subscribe to our podcast, but rate and review it as well. You can do this anywhere you get your podcasts, but especially on Apple and Spotify. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok. Our handle is at the Latina Advocate Podcast, just as it's spelled. Thanks for your support. Hey, everyone. Happy spring. As many of you know, the Latina Advocate Podcast is going to Puerto Rico this summer. That's right. We're headed to La Isla del Encanto. And you want to know the best part? You, yes, you are coming with us we'll be interviewing incredible movers and shakers on the ground doing extremely important work that impacts the island, yes, but the diaspora as a whole. If you're a second, third generation mainlander like me, or just someone that is ready to be inspired by some of the most resilient and heart-centered people on the planet, this segment is for you. Now, yes, some of our interviews will be public, But if you'd like behind the scenes reflections and even access to private interviews that won't be made available to the public, then we invite you to join our exclusive VIP community. So yes, not only will you get access to exclusive content, you'll also be put into a private community of like-minded souls that want to stay connected to the advancements on the island. And those of you that signed up for our early bird offer, just know you'll also be put into this community. So to sign up for our VIP access of our Puerto Rico segment, visit the show notes of this episode or our bio on Instagram to sign up and do not miss out. 
This exclusive and beautiful experience is going to be amazing. Thank you for your support. Can't wait to go on this journey with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to the Latina Advocate Podcast. Your host here, Lola Sofia Bobel. Super excited for today's episode. It's actually pretty different from some of the topics that we've talked about recently. And I'm really stoked because it had a pretty substantive impact on my body and my mind and my emotions. Without further ado, I have Emily Geyser here. It's going to chat with us today and we're going to be talking all things wellness. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Lola. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. It's going to be such an awesome conversation. Just to give a little backstory to our listeners. So I actually met Emily through a program on podcasting that we were both a part of. So she's also a fellow podcaster. And I've just been following her work little by little since now connected with her. And she does things that like scare the hell out of me. So one of the things that she does is immerse herself in cold water. And those people that know me well, friends, family know I hate cold water to the point where like I will not shower if there's no hot water. It's like serious. So for me, it's pretty terrifying that she does these things. And she actually started this sugar detox and I did it. And wow, it was life-changing. Emily, how did you get into health and wellness and coaching and this world of bettering our bodies and our minds? Who is Emily Geyser? All right. Wow. That's, <laughs> see, I have been interested in health and wellness for as long as I can remember. I used to read my mom's cookbooks when I was young, really young. And I just love learning the impact of food on our bodies and our wellness. And then I gained a lot of weight and that started like a different focus on the role of food in wellness. Yeah. But that probably really is what I probably became most interested in health through kind of my own health journey. My first real career was, I'll back it up a little bit, like fresh out of college, I was working on organic vegetable farms and stuff. So that tells you a little bit about just where I was coming from and who I am. But then I went on to become a Montessori teacher, which I did for about 10 years. And when I left the classroom, because I was having my own kids, I parents asked me to do parent coaching that was a big role that I played as a teacher at that point. It was like helping parents navigate parenting. Yeah. And in talking to parents about mindful parenting, it quickly became apparent that as primarily talking to moms, because they tend to be the ones in charge of like seeking out parenting advice, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and the moms were so tapped out and exhausted that it became very apparent to me that really to make the biggest impact on health in a family and wellness in a family is through helping moms take control of their health because it felt really hard for moms to be mindful and intentional when they were already at the end of their ropes with their kids. So that is how I got into health coaching. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And it could just goes back to like what we talk about when we're on flights and airplanes, right? Where it's like, you put your mask on first and then you put the mask on your children, et cetera. And like the flight attendants will literally go to you and say that every single time you fly, it's interesting. So it's literally the same concept, like the mamas, we need to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anybody else in our family. Totally makes sense. So that's how you really got into this journey, but it sounds like it's been cooking up and had various different iterations in the chapters that you've had in your lives for a long time. Is that right? 
Yeah, it's very authentic. When somebody said, what do you want to do? And I was going through a process of, oh, what do I want to do when I grow up? One of the tips is always go look at all the books in your bookshelf. What interests you? Yeah. And all the books on my bookshelf are personal growth and wellness and well-being. So yeah. Oh, that's so juicy. Because And that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because I feel like a lot of times when it's find your purpose, and it's like what you're supposed to be doing with your life, it can feel so heavy. It's, oh my God, I haven't figured this out yet. And then the reality is, if you just, for me, I've had to take off that purpose word because the purpose feels too heavy. And if I just follow my excitement, like what just interests me and it's okay to just do that. Totally. Um, so that's amazing. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. So as I alluded to earlier, one of the things that has really just drew me to you immediately was this immersing into cold water. Because again, I hate cold water and I've done it. I remember when I was at, where was I? In Jamaica. And I was at the Ocho Rios, it's the rivers. And I remember I was like, I can't do it. So some people just jump right in. And me, I'm like that annoying person that's one toe, then the next toe, then the next toe. But Lola, I am with you. No, I am right with you. When you were giving your description of yourself, like you would never, ever do it. You don't like cold showers. Same. That was always me. I will not take a cold shower. I was not excited to do cold immersion. My husband is somebody that loves cold water. We hike a lot. And if he can find a cold stream, he is in it. And I'm always like... No, why? I would. <laughs> no, thank you. It's a total repellent to me. And I feel like yeah. I'm generally cold a lot and it's an annoying feeling, right? Yes. So I just, I'm completely cold adverse. Yeah. First, let me just say that. And yes, now I do cold plunge and I have done it repeatedly and I actually crave it. So I don't know. We can change, right? It just goes to show you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Seriously. So yeah. how, so why put ourselves through that initial yeah. shock? Because clearly you said you're craving it now, which to me seems yeah. wild. But clearly you got there and you pushed yourself. So what are the benefits? Why push yourself to do this? Yeah, I pushed myself because I was hearing from several people that they were doing it. It was making a big impact. And for my podcast, I interviewed somebody that I've been following for a long time who does cold plunging in freezing Vermont. And she's just really fun to watch. And so I was excited (laughs) to talk with her. And she is the one that inspired me and got me moving forward. So if I can pass that along to somebody else, I will. The benefits are huge. I don't think we know all the benefits yet because really Mm. the studies are just starting and, and they're few and not real specific on what they're studying. But, and people do it for different amounts of time in different ways, right? But cold exposure is shown to increase our mood because it's a huge dopamine response, increase metabolism, boost our immune systems, eat brown fat, which is something that when we, the more white fat we get, which is the fat that you see and you think about is your fat, yeah. we have less brown fat, but brown fat is actually really healthy and it is what warms our body. So thermogenesis is brown fat. And A side note that I think I just gave voice to for my first time to my husband this past weekend was, is I think that I am, I don't feel like I'm as cold anymore now that I'm cold plunging. I think my body is regulating temperature. So I tend to be really cold in my house and I'm not, I haven't been for like a month or two. So I'm thinking that it has some role there, which I think is interesting. It helps with mood. It helps with focus. I have a couple of friends who have pretty serious anxiety, particularly right now, and they've been going with me and they say it turns off like immediately and it's different for a long time. Wow. The benefits are tremendous. 
and it's just a mood lifter. Like I find that after I go, I'm very focused. My mood is even, I have energy. It's just, it's phenomenal. So how often are you doing it now? Oh, I go to a certain, I'm doing it in a river, which Mm. is dependent upon how much water is in the river and me getting there. It's been as much as several times a week. Okay. Okay. That's a lot. So I'm wondering how frequent one does it, how far the benefits are able to go. So a study has shown that 11 11 minutes a week makes measurable difference. So just even just doing it once for 11 minutes and just immersing yourself for 11 minutes, is that what that means? Yes. However, I think it's been mostly studied in people doing it like in shorter chunks that build up to that. 11 minutes would be a long time. Therapeutic water, I think they say is between 39 degrees and 59 degrees. So just depending on how cold it is, I think something that gave me that made me feel good and gave me a lot of permission to explore was when that very experienced cold plunger in Vermont, like don't even pay attention to the time. It's not about the time. Just go in the first 20 to 30 seconds are terrible. I'm not going to kid you. Yeah. Still now, still today, those first 20 seconds are miserable. I just feel mad at whoever got me out there. (laughs) And and then it gets better. And then there's a sense of calm. And that happens within 30 to 45 seconds. So you can have great benefit in a very short amount of time. And I think the benefits can increase with more time. And then you can actually be in too long, where maybe like it's hard for your body to recover during the day. Maybe you will stay cold. Maybe you will get a headache. So I don't think that the goal is going for as long as you can, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like throwing something out there. So three minutes, two minutes, four minutes. The first time I went in may have been a minute and a half. And I have been in for as long as 10 minutes. I think this is absolutely fascinating. And I'm actually feeling really motivated right now. Like after we get off our call here, I feel like I'm going to just jump in the shower and just put it on cold and probably scream and just go for it and try it out. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, I'm not going (laughs) to talk you out of that, but I do want to give you hope that a river is a lot better of an experience than a cold shower. I still don't do a cold shower. I can't stand it. Yeah. But another really great thing, and we may have connected over this in the past, I don't quite remember, but is like a facial plunge. Yes, we did. So that's a great starting place. And something that that. I love about doing that is how well you can activate your vagus nerve, which is really going to bring calm Mm -hmm. over you. Yeah. If you like uh, blow bubbles in there while you're doing it, stick your head in and blow bubbles. Okay. I'll have to try that for sure. I'm so excited. And just one last question about this, but does this also help with inflammation? Is this something yes, that, yes. Okay. It's incredible for inflammation. In fact, I will tell you that recently my husband was doing a bunch of yard work and his back was so stirred up and he went in and he likes to go in for a very long time and very often. But he said to me in like very clear words last night, the clearest I heard him say this, like it, it felt completely different when he got out of the water. So I think it helps acute mm. inflammation from pain, but it also helps chronic inflammation. Yeah, got it. And what are the benefits? Why do we care about inflammation and why do we want to reduce it? Why is that important? Oh. So there are two different kinds of inflammation. There's this acute inflammation. Like if you hurt yourself, the area swells. It's mm-hmm. your body sending every good thing it can to the area to make it better. Yeah. So you don't necessarily always want to turn that off because it has some healing effects. I think when you're asking that, you're speaking more about chronic inflammation Yeah. and what is talked about more in the wellness industry. And that is 
they have shown chronic inflammation to be at the foundation of every chronic disease that we have. So it's basically as a disruption in our metabolic health, and then the downstream effects are just pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're saying like any kind of, are we saying, are we talking cancer? Are we talking, yep. okay, like heart disease or kidney disease? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Everything can stem back to inflammation. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's something you definitely want to be paying more attention to. And are there ways that we can tell if we're chronically inflamed? How do we know these things? <laughs> you can assume you are. that's real yeah most people can assume that they are you can i think a lot i think that there are a lot of symptoms that people experience are due to chronic inflammation so Mm. when you go to a doctor and you're telling them how you're feeling a good doctor who's aware of like your whole being can help you see where some of this may be coming from chronic inflammation some of the symptoms of chronic inflammation can look like fatigue, aches and pains, just that, that depressed feeling of energy of mood, that is, those are symptoms of chronic inflammation. Interesting. And I feel like this is a perfect segue, right, into some of the other stuff that we've talked about, and specifically the sugar detox that we did. So I feel like it seems like if I remember correctly, and you know, from learning from you and from others as well, that sugar ultimately can contribute a significant amount. So in other words, in a lot of ways, all the sugar that we're consuming and all the hidden sugars that are really out there are in a sense killing us. Like it's long-term. It's not like you have a donut and then something happens, but kind of in that long-term, it could really have negative effects. So let's take a step back in terms of now going into the nutrition side of things and sugar. Can you just walk us through what are the different types of sugars? Because I know when I first entered the detox, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to learn. And then I did it. And then you were like, there's three levels and there's this. And I was like, whoa, I'm just going to focus on the added sugar. But could you walk us through that? What are the different types? And maybe we can go from there. Yeah, there are, there is your white processed sugar. Yeah. First of all, let me back up. I've seen like over a hundred different names for sugars and sweeteners. It's a Mm. huge category that we're talking about. Yeah. Some are less processed and okay so there's some are natural some are chemical yeah wow okay even within the process even within the natural some are highly processed and some are left in their more natural state Mm -hmm. the more processed it's going to become the less our body knows how to use it it's food is information for our bodies for our cells our cells use everything we eat to make your body, your skin, your bones, your hair. It's our cells taking our food's information and doing what it does. The easier that the cells can understand the information, the better the body's going to work. Yeah. You're speaking the same language. And so natural Mm. sweeteners are going to get there. And a natural sweetener is going to be honey, maple syrup, and then the less processed sugars like monk fruit. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but it's a sugar that does less damage to your blood sugar levels, has less of a negative impact on it. And then there's the like white sugar that's been highly processed. It no longer looks like the sugar cane from which it came from. Yeah. And then there's all kinds of artificial sweeteners. Yeah. So just to make sure I'm understanding. So in terms of processed sugar, the reason why it's something that is overly processed, and this could apply to more than just sugar. The reason why it's problematic is that our bodies 
don't understand it. It doesn't really register in the same way. Can, can we break that down a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. Yes, because it no longer has like the, the nutrients that it may have in its natural form. So any fiber, any nutritional value that was there, let's look at, let's compare brown sugar and molasses. Okay. You've probably heard that molasses is full of iron. There's mm. times when, you know, they recommend having molasses for its iron. Brown sugar is once upon a time was just white sugar and molasses. Mm. I don't even know if there's molasses and brown sugar that we buy at the store anymore, but that's where it came from. But brown sugar, we don't think of as being a great source of iron. We're never told, have a teaspoon of brown sugar for that. No. So the natural sweeteners that are less processed have nutritive value in them. There is nutrition within honey and within maple syrup. However, when you start having an ultra processed sugar, such as let's just call it white sugar, sugar actually depletes your body of nutrients. It's anti-nutritive. Mm -hmm. So it mixes with the, we're talking about how your body like talks, communicates. Sugar actually interrupts a lot of those communications with our hormones. It wreaks havoc on our body's ability to communicate with itself. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about added sugars and where they are in our foods. So we talked about some of the benefits of why we want to make sure we're lessening these things. Yeah. So let's talk about added sugar specifically and like where it's hidden and what are some of the things that we can do to really start eliminating that. Yeah. So one of the things I think is really important to talk about with sugar is it's not sugar itself is not the problem. As I said, during the sugar shake off, and we'll say over and over again, villainizing food is not my the answer. Goal. Yeah. It's not the answer. It's not helpful. Sugar itself is not the problem. The problem is that sugar is now in 80% of grocery store food items. Mm, so, yeah. you know, if you want to have a cookie and you have a cookie, there's not a problem with that. But if you're just trying to have like barbecue sauce oh, or a big one vinegar too. or ketchup or 80% of the things on the store shelves, you're not necessarily trying to have dessert. So the pervasiveness is the problem. And the fact that most of the sugar that's in those grocery store items is very low quality. The sugar is low quality and the food is so processed it's also fairly low quality. So it's just having this like, um, too much know, kind of it's too much. It's too yeah. much. Thank you. Yeah. So how did we get here? Cause I know when I did the detox, I was like literally, so I went just like you advised and I went the day before the detox and I went to the grocery store and I spent over an hour than I usually normally would. Cause I was looking literally at all the labels and there was added sugar and everything. Like I even, this is funny. At one point when I was doing the sugar detox and I was feeling like I needed something and I was feeling frustrated was like day one or day two, which was awful by the way. I didn't feel good, but I felt better after, but I literally took a spoon of peanut butter and I was like, yes, I'll do this. And then I licked it. And then I was, wait a second. I saw added sugar and I literally, <laughs> I was like, I want to comply with this detox. So yep. why is it that we have all these added sugars? Like, how did we get here? That's a great question. I think food scientists are, this is what they're paid to do. They're brilliant, right? It is built into our biology to crave sweetness. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason that the safe foods to eat in the wild are sweet. It's just a, it's an adaptive wow. trait. Yeah. Sugar also gives us energy. So we are wired to crave sweet things for a reason. That's not the problem. The yeah. problem is that now it's all the time everywhere. And 
it has confused our body on even where to get energy anymore, uh-huh. which has led to a lot of problems burning fat and things like that. But food scientists know that people crave sweet and the food industry is such that when you add sugar to things, people eat more of it and crave more of it. So we're talking money here. That's what you it think? sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and that's just so depressing. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but sugar cells. Oh yeah. Then if sugar inherently in and of itself is not bad, it's just that we, it's the quantity then is the purpose of the detox to really help recalibrate our bodies so that it's just, it's a shock at first. It's like any addiction, but then afterwards, it's really about like, you don't need to be reliant on this much sugar and to help us help our bodies then say, okay, this is actually the, a normal way of getting our energy as opposed to being so highly dependent on sugar. Is that kind of the reason? Or are there other reasons? Why do we want to do a detox? Why is that a good thing to do? It's such a good question. It makes me have questions for you because you just did it, but I'll answer your question. <laughs> yeah. First. So a sugar detox, there's lots of detoxes out there. So let's just make, I just want to be clear that we're talking about a sugar detox specifically here. Yeah. In working with clients and suggesting that people reduce sugar, that's a very hard task Yeah, just to reduce sugar because sugar is highly addictive and we crave it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when we're just trying to reduce it, it's a constant game of willpower. <laughs> it is. It really it's just, is. It's, and it's, it becomes annoying and it causes stress. And I'm not sure it accomplishes the overall wellness goal <laughs> that we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. However, when we do just cut it cold turkey, as with any addictive substance, it interrupts the craving cycle. And so the hope is that you can experience some freedom from that constant tension Yeah. for a few days. Like you said, the first few days are hard yeah. and they are hard, really but it's hard. just one or two days. And then, and I'd love to hear from you, like, some people by day three, but a lot of people by day four and day five are like, oh, wow, I have more energy. My mood is up. My belly is down. Like you start noticing very quick benefits. And that gives people a taste of what the benefits are of eating less sugar, which mm-hmm. is much more like intriguing than the constant strain of your willpower trying to have less, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was struggling like day one and day two. I remember going to a workout and I was just straight up crab. Like I I was just really grumpy and struggling, but I would say for me, I really started to, I started to see benefits on day three. Like I started to feel this almost like clearing of my body. It was almost like the clouds were lifting a little bit. Like it was like, Oh I get it. And then day four, I would say I started to really feel a lot better. I would say it was like halfway through day four where I really started to be like, oh my God. Because I sometimes feel there's a lot of stress around and I feel it in my body. And I started to feel that kind of, it was almost like an unlocking of of the tension that I feel sometimes even in my face and in my body. And so that felt really good. And then by day five, it was wonderful. And I was like, I don't want to have any more sugar. I was like on this thing, I was feeling really great. And so since then though, I mean, I have had sugar and I'm just so much more conscious of it now. So I would say like, in terms of before I did the detox till after, like my sugar intake is a lot less. For example, like I'm addicted to boba tea. 
I love boba tea. And so I used to have my sugar at 75% because they, they can do full 75. And so I used to do my jasmine tea or my oolong tea at 75. And now I only do it at 25%. Wow. And I like it. Yeah. Yeah. The benefits are definitely, I saw it there. I think the next step would be, and that's probably like where your coaching comes in. It's like, what is sustainable? What, what are we really aiming for kind of in the long term? Because you can have these great benefits at first, but then it's okay. Where do we really go from here? Yeah. So moving forward from a sugar detox is going to be really unique for, for everybody, mm-hmm. what their own goals are where they're finding some people come to a sugar detox because they're having digestive issues. So that's, that's all, that's an area then that we look at that with sugar, which would be different than somebody with hormonal issues and what their sugar intake is. Right. Mm. So that's really, I think where um, personalizing it is really important. Like everybody can benefit from reducing sugar, but then how to move forward is going to be different for each person and what they're capable of sustaining. And I think that what I love about a sugar detox and why I have multiple levels of the sugar detox is because people come back for more and more and just, I want to try it doing it this way. I want to see what it would be like if I took this out or if I added this in, because this is a way for us to get to know our bodies and Mm, what you're describing as what you felt towards the end some doctors would say is the reduction of chronic inflammation that you were feeling. Wow. And so the more we get to know our body and what it's like in a well state, right, then that's our barometer for how we move through the world and what we, what we fill our bodies with. And then you start noticing the things that negatively impact like stress. Yeah. Stress and sugar are, just a terrible combination and they always go together right yeah. so when we're stressed and the thing about stress is a whole show on itself yeah but when we're stressed for the most part our body doesn't know if this is life-threatening stress or just like an annoying traffic situation yeah we experience it the same and though our stress hormones are released at the same flooding rate yeah. so we are we're set up to be able to handle that every so often but as we've heard the with the way we're experiencing stress in modern life is that we're experiencing this flood all the time and so it releases a flood of cortisol and cortisol is directly responsible for blood sugar levels like they are directly related to each other and So if there's a spike of cortisol and a spike of blood sugar levels, and then there's a spike of insulin because it's trying to manage the blood sugar levels, then if there's, sounds like there would be like a constant flood of insulin happening through the body, and then we're developing insulin resistance and Mm. headed towards prediabetes. And Mm. it's literally like the downstream is just like a swamp. It's a mess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's wild. Taking a step back from sugar a little bit, it really does feel like an act of resistance as well uh, to really go against what the flow is in terms of what's happening in terms of the food industry and what's being pushed on us. Yeah. Yeah. You're nodding. Yeah. Yeah. I often think you have to be a deviant to be healthy in these modern days. Yeah. Wow. That's wild to me. We talked sugar. We even talked the cold plunges. We talked, and it sounds like a lot of the, there's a lot of similarities in terms of what the benefits are to doing a detox to doing even these cold plunges, et cetera. What are some other 
things that we can be doing in terms of just wellness for ourselves so our listeners can get a sense of some other things that they can also be doing to be healthier, fuller individuals? Yeah, great question. And if you ask, I'd have a different answer maybe every single day. There's so much that we can be doing. I'm going to try and answer it in maybe a little bit of a different way than would be easy to Google like drinking water and stuff. I think the most, I think what's been the most helpful for me in my wellness journey has been learning, has been seeing my body as an ally, mm-hmm. learning how to interpret the science of my body rather than feeling at war with my body and not understanding what's happening. So really developing that relationship is huge. Yeah. A couple of things to get there is using food as a foundation. And the curiosity that I've just brought to this conversation of like, how is it responding to all the different things I'm eating and getting to know that process, really having to be an advocate for yourself around ingredients. And it's not just sugar and it's not just food. It's also our personal care and our skincare and our cleaning products, Mm. creating a lot of issues with our metabolic health and hormonal health, like we've been talking about. And then The third way to really start working with your body as an ally is um, getting to know your nervous system control panel and what you feel like when you are in a dysregulated state versus Mm. a regulated state. Wow, that's so huge. And what are some of the, when you you talk about the nervous system, that's almost like light bulb goes off for me. What are some of the ways folks can distinguish when they're in a regulated state versus a dysregulated state? It's a great question. It's unique for everybody, but a dysregulated state can either be too high or too low. So mm. it, can, it is like flight or freeze, right? Mm-hmm. All of those in between. You might know like you have, if you're having a conversation and you tend to get like sweaty palms or sweaty pits, like your nervous system is really activated. Yeah. You're hyper aroused, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're like super heavy and you can't think straight and more frozen, you're hypo aroused. So the different ways you want to address that to get your nervous system stabilized is dependent upon that. Yeah. It makes me think of this is why like meditation and the mindfulness is so important, right? So that you can have that awareness as well, because you can't even start the process of starting to distinguish. So these are things that actually make me hyper aroused, or these are things that when I'm calm, like you wouldn't even know unless you're self-aware. So that's really the first step, it seems like. Would you agree? Like that mindfulness and meditation really help with that? Yes, I think that can be really helpful. I also think I'm biased because I'm a health coach and this is a big piece of what I do, but being able to talk to somebody and have somebody kind of see the forest through the trees for you, uh, it's often it's hard to, it's very hard to reflect upon yourself unless you've been meditating for a while and know how to establish that space. But if you have somebody else in your life that you can process this with or they can help illuminate it, I think that's the best way. Oh, so good. So good. All right, Emily, that's the end of the substantive questions that I have for you. Is there anything else that you want to add in terms of wellness that you think is just really important to get across to our listeners? Uh, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's main, it's the theme of my podcast, right? Which is that we all have so much agency in our own well-being. So good. Yeah. So good. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah, we do. We really do. Emily, you are amazing. And I am so, so excited for just your work and all the things that you're going to do and the amazing lives that you're going to touch. So if folks want to follow you and continue to learn from you, where can they find you? Great. Thanks for asking. So you can find me on my website at emilygeiser.com. There is a sign up for the Sugar Shake Off. I have a wait list going there. So if you're intrigued by what we talked about here with the Sugar Shake Off, drop your name on the sign up. And Instagram, I'm at Emily Geiser. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, I probably will go and I'll probably do the shake off again with you. And then maybe I'll do level two this time. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. I do it every time too. It's there's something to get. Every, I learn something new every time. So I highly recommend repeating it. You know what? And that just reminded me of one last question. How often would it be beneficial to do like a sugar detox or a shake off? As often as you are open to making that change and curious for the feedback. You can't do it too much. Yeah. But when it starts becoming, yeah, you can't do it too much for your health. Just stay in touch with your intentions around it and why you're doing it, I think. Yeah. So it sounds like it's really individual, but maybe when you've started to go back to some of those patterns that maybe aren't really serving you, that's when you go, oh, maybe it's time, but it's really that self-awareness. To be honest, the reason why I did a sugar shake off is because I needed it for myself. I haven't Uh, run one publicly since 2019, but I was in a place where I was like, I really did not want to give up sugar. And that was a clue to me that I was like pretty deep in with my addiction there again. Oh, so good. All right, Emily, again, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, for joining us today. Everyone, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know, I'm technically an attorney and forever advocate that does speaking engagements and coaching when not podcasting and being a mama to my amazing daughters. Nothing in my podcasts, however, is ever to be construed as legal advice. These are for educational and enjoyment purposes only. Anywho, if you'd like to follow me in real time or get access to my free five must-have secrets for public speaking, follow me on Instagram at the Latina Advocate Podcast. That's the at symbol, then the Latina Advocate Podcast, no spaces in between. Thanks and have a great day. See you next time.